0: There's a lot I have to say regarding giftedness and the things in my life that are directly or indirectly related to which, in my view,
1: in my view, in my view, in my view, in my
0: view. is everything. Hello, and welcome to the International Gifted Consortium. I'm Vanessa Wood. We hear real-life stories daily from our communities, from our schools, and from our families across the globe, both heartwarming and heart-wrenching. In order to truly understand our highly and profoundly gifted population, we have to go beyond our own experiences to the depths of another's reality. In each episode, we'll give you a glimpse into the life. So sit back, embrace the space, and take in the view. From the eyes of the highly profoundly gifted, this is Room with a View. Hi, Jared. Welcome back. I'm so happy to have this opportunity to continue our conversation.
1: Hi, Vanessa. Thanks for having me again.
0: This is so exciting. Thank you so much, Jared. In the previous episode, you gave us a glimpse into the multidimensional interconnected nature of giftedness. You spoke about your intellectual overexcitability, both in and out of school, and the feedback has been heartwarming. Many resonated with your experiences, including one listener who said, I felt a level of peace and comfort from hearing another individual like me this type of validation is so important and it is an essential part of the igc education outreach initiative so today i would love to dive deeper into your mention of adhd you mentioned coming across an adhd rating scale can you take us through that experience
1: sure so it was um I'm now a rising senior in college, undergraduate. So, I came across that rating scale when I was a senior in high school. So it was three years ago, roughly, um, and I I don't remember why I came across it. I think I mean I, I my mom is a pediatric nurse practitioner, and she specializes in actually, luckily, fortunately, she specializes in ADHD for. Um, for young children so she knows a lot about the subject and so um, I was I always had a difficult and I've i have mentioned this in, in previous episodes um, but I've I've, um, I've always had a difficult time in school I never ever flourished in the classroom and I, I didn't know why so that was you know school was always just difficult for me I always studied it seemed I studied for exams and stuff like that much more than um my peers and I still wasn't doing as well as them so I didn't know, I just didn't know why it was really frustrating so um I was talking to my mom about this and she always I guess I, I guess I've always been really sort of energetic and and I, I'm not sure I would say I've been uh, impulsive but I've definitely been energetic and I guess my mom noticed that Well, maybe I have some of these characteristics of ADHD that are typical among people who have ADHD. So she brought out, because she's a nurse practitioner, she had some of the rating scales at our home and she gave one to me. And I took it and I went through all, there were probably like 40 items on that piece of paper. And I went through them and I remember just sort of like, I was literally like laughing out loud as as I was going through it because So much of it resonated with me. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly how I feel. I remember um, I can, I don't have the rating scale in front of me, but I can remember some of the things that resonated with me. I think one of them was, um, I have a very difficult time wrapping up the details of a project. That was one that resonated with me. And I remember I circled, I highlighted the ones that really, um, Resonated with me. I, I think um, let me just think here for a second. Um So that was one about the details of projects. Um, I remember I One that also resonated with me was it felt like I was always Driven sort of driven by a motor and that I didn't sort of, I didn't really have like an off switch I just kept going and going and going Yeah um, That was one um, I wish I could remember this more in detail.
0: I pulled up Jim Webb's book, um, he's known for misdiagnosis and dual okay.
1: diagnosis
0: of gifted children and adults. I don't know if you've seen his book, but he, it's now in its second edition. So I, I went back through that and these characteristics um, are very common in gifted and especially highly profoundly gifted children. and. We often see this as typical and when children such as highly and profoundly gifted children are in a typical school setting and who have already mastered the material being discussed. So simply their own thoughts can be more interesting. And I know you referred to that in the last episode. Another hallmark characteristic is doesn't seem to listen when spoken to directly.
1: I'm a competitive swimmer, so this was a a good example. In high school, we would... I would be, when I was at swim practice, I would have to listen to the coach explain the set that we were about to do. He would write it on a whiteboard and then explain it. And I just, I never listened. I never knew what I was doing in the pool. So, (laughs) so that's just one. and it's not like there was anything on my mind. I mean, maybe there was something on my mind, but I just wasn't listening. I don't know why I just, I was just sort of sitting there and just not listening at all. So. That's an example of me not listening when I'm spoken to directly. And I mean, there's there's lots of examples when, say, a teacher gives instructions and right after she gives instructions, immediately I turn to the person next to me and say, what are we doing? Like, that that just happens so often. So um, that's another example. So yeah, that, that was a big one. I remember taking that um, rating scale, going through it and recognizing that in myself. That was a big one.
0: Yeah. And on the gifted side, it's also a characteristic of imaginational and or intellectual overexcitability, which I know we spoke a lot about in the last episode. One other one doesn't follow through on instructions, right, that we were just talking about or is reluctant to engage in tasks such as homework. And often we find, and I want to hear your comment on this, that highly profoundly gifted children view the tasks as busy work or meaningless to them. And the best example that comes to mind that we've heard uh, is when one might force a student to write out steps to a math problem. And the case may actually be that the child may have long mastered or the student doesn't have to be a child may have long mastered the concept and literally doesn't see the steps so when they're asked to do this it's literally not possible or very difficult for them
1: i know exactly what you're talking about um there are definitely instances when i come to a conclusion or something like that it's often when i'm thinking about something really complicated like metaphysics or something like that i come to a conclusion and it is difficult for me or or nearly impossible for me to explain how I came to that conclusion. It's sort of like, I like I. I it's sort of like I think with my heart, you know. I just, I just, uh, it's intuitive and it comes naturally to me. And I can't. And because I think to some degree, it comes naturally to me. These things I can't explain it. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. If it, if, um, if it didn't come naturally to me, and if I had to learn it, I would be able to go take take someone else through the steps that I. Um, that I go through, but um to come to the conclusion, but it just it, that's just not the case.
0: Another core trait is easily distracted by extraneous stimuli, right? So this could all be part of it too, and certainly speaks directly to overexcitabilities that we see in highly profoundly gifted children who exhibit greater than typical sensitivity, intensity, and awareness, which you also refer to. Mm -hmm. also difficulty organizing tasks and activities is common and we especially see this in highly profoundly gifted children and this idea I'll throw out another kind of concept of asynchronous development Mm -hmm. Um, we see this the disparity is even greater when we're talking about you know highly profoundly gifted children adolescents adults
1: I remember I would always um, in school I would have to write my assignments down in my planner and I would come home and it would always take me like at least I don't know 20 minutes or so just to let's say I had written down five assignments for the night that I had to get done and let's it would always take me like at least 20 minutes to just order those assignments decide uh if I wasn't going to finish one tonight when I would do it and and which ones were most important, which ones to prioritize over the others. So that was really always difficult for me. And it seemed like I, it again, it was hard to focus while I was doing that. I was like really devoting a, a considerable amount of my mental energy just to this task, which was simple. I mean, it's a simple, it's a simple task. And in order for my attention to be uh, sustained, it's gotta be, I mean, whatever whatever I'm dealing with, I think has to be adequately complicated adequately complex so that that will really encourage me to um dive into it basically and really um focus on it for a long period of time but if if it's something simple like that so like ordering tasks um it's i I do get distracted and it's difficult for me to to do it
0: i'm curious if you've ever heard of psychomotor over excitability or has it just been recently maybe or even maybe in the last couple days with uh, our discussion.
1: So, um, I, before I started reading about giftedness, which was probably, I say, uh, two years ago or or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'd say roughly two years ago. Um, before I started reading about that stuff, I, I hadn't come across, um, psychomotor overexcitability or any overexcitability for that matter. I, I, didn't know anything about those things. So, um, and so, so when I learned about it, um, it was interesting. Although I think I learned probably a lot more about intellectual overexcitability and emotional overexcitability than psychomotor, because I think those ones probably um, I felt I, I saw more of those things in myself than I did with the psychomotor. But um, I do I do see how psychomotor uh, overexcitability relates to ADHD. I, I do see that connection
0: we have to realize that most educators and healthcare providers really, they don't receive training in psychomotor overexcitability. And additionally, parents don't typically hear or read about psychomotor overexcitability in parenting resources. Mm -hmm, So this is definitely, right? So it would be, it's not common that people know what psychomotor overexcitability is. So exactly why we're speaking today, you know, really to bring awareness um, into the conversation. It's So that, that's really our initiative, um, because as we've said, that some of the characteristics and behaviors are so similar between ADHD and giftedness, or in particular psychomotor overexcitability, it really all comes together, even when we're talking about intellectual overexcitability or emotional overexcitability. Um, Because what we found is psychomotor overexcitability can actually be the driver of the, you know, the intellectual or emotional or imaginational overexcitability. So really, this conversation is all about bringing awareness. Awareness is what's key here. Were these conversations ever brought up about um, overexcitabilities?
1: So I did. I mean, I did all the research myself. Nobody taught it to me or anything when I discovered that I was that I was gifted so I just basically um, poured over lots of articles online and I found I think there's other five intellect there's five I think yes right so I so I I learned about all of them and I did I mean I it's not like I skipped over psychomotor I know that it's it has to do with a a tendency or a need to move physically and stuff like that so um, Yeah, so I, so the answer is yes, I did learn um, about it when I was learning about giftedness. I, but I, although I I probably placed a greater emphasis on learning about intellectual and emotional, but, but yeah, there's, there's no question I learned about psychomotor, um, and uh, sensual.
0: Yeah, both of those really act as enhancements to the other overexcitabilities—so intellectual, imaginational, and emotional. They all kind of intertwine. We're finding when we when we're kind of diving into a case study of a of a highly or profoundly gifted individual.
1: I was the inattentive. Um, I, I identified myself as as having the inattentive ADHD. So it wasn't that the problem wasn't that I couldn't really sit still in school or anything like that. And maybe it's because I was I was expending so much energy in swimming. I mean, I was constantly active. So I think um, maybe that's why I was able to sit still well. And, and uh, But I mean, now I even notice now because of the pandemic, I'm not really able to exercise that much. So I, I do notice that I'm usually tapping my foot or moving around or something like that. So maybe I do have more than just an attentive ADHD.
0: Thank you, Jared, for once again providing us with a humanistic view of giftedness. These conversations are so important. It is essential for us to talk about and bring awareness to overexcitabilities. Psychomotor overexcitability in particular is at highest risk for misunderstanding and potential misdiagnosis. For the best understanding, identification, and support, giftedness and overexcitabilities must be considered first or in addition to ADHD or other coexisting behaviors and or development. Thank you so very much to our audience for listening and for sharing. In the next episode of Room with a View, we look forward to speaking with Tiffany about her journey to finding an appropriate educational environment for her son. Room with a View is produced by the International Gifted Consortium, Education Outreach Initiative, for you and by you. Join us on social media, giftedconsortium.org, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, enjoy the view.